That was awesome, wasn't it? <laughs> I feel like I don't even have to preach this morning because all the words that we sang were exactly what I'm going to preach. So, <clears throat> And if you can't tell, my voice is kind of disappearing. So just bear with me this morning. Um, got my water, got my cough drop. If you see me going like this, I'm not checking for a vein for all you nurses. I'm actually calling to the bullpen for Pastor Paul to come, come take over for me. So not checking. You're not going to see needles come out. Stab my veins. Um, man, does anybody else love Christmas? <laughs> I love this time of year. I love Advent. Advent. Um, I love, I'm one of those weird guys who, uh, I start listening to Christmas music early. Like, really, really early. Like, October 1st. Sometimes even September. And you can judge me if you want. That's okay. I'm comfortable. I don't care if you judge me. Uh, People keep saying, well, what about Thanksgiving? And I'm like, I love Thanksgiving too. How can you not love eating turkey and then sitting on the couch watching football, kicking back, taking a nap, looking at ads for Black Friday and not actually going shopping, but just looking at the ads and thinking how stupid people are for going out. Um, (laughs) I love Thanksgiving too, but I have yet to find the Thanksgiving music Pandora station, right? So if anybody can point me to that, then I'll substitute my early Christmas music for Thanksgiving music, and we'll be okay. But there's one part of Christmas that I absolutely hate, can't stand it, and that's the dreaded Christmas list. Like when someone says, Josh, what do you want for Christmas? It's all over. I hate it. I get stressed out. I start having, like, anxiety just takes over me, and I just, I can't, I hate it. I a couple weeks ago, I was looking online because this is how terrible it is. I had to look online to ask other people what I should ask for, for for Christmas. Like, I hate it. I can't do it. I just get, I get stressed out about it. And so it's like, if you want to give me a gift and just give me a stinking gift, I don't care what it is. I'm not in desperate need of anything. Just give me a gift, all right? <laughs> I put that on Facebook a couple weeks ago. I had no idea I was going to put it in my sermon. And and Christy's like, oh, I hope that I get you for our family gift exchange. So she gets me, I have no idea what I'm going to get. But I just, I don't need anything. Uh, everything I want, everything that I'd get would just be wants. And so it's just not worth it to me. Just give me whatever. So tip, if you're getting me a Christmas gift, get me whatever and I'll love it, right? Here's what I love about God, though. God didn't have to ask me for a Christmas list in order to give me the perfect gift, right? Like, he knew exactly what I needed. He knew exactly what you needed. He knew exactly what all of mankind needed. He didn't have to stress me out by saying, Josh, what do you want for Christmas? Like, he just knew exactly what we needed, and he gave it to us. And for these next four weeks of Advent, we're going to unwrap that gift, like we're going to tear into the wrapping paper and we're going, to, we're going to unwrap this perfect gift that God gave us. But before we start tearing off the wrapping paper, we're going to take a look at the context of, of this gift and the promise of this gift. <clears throat> and we're going, to, we're going to get that context from Isaiah. Um, Isaiah 7 and 8, our, our main text is going to be in Isaiah 9. So uh, if you want to go ahead and flip to Isaiah 9, uh, and, and just put your thumb there. You can do that. Um, but to, in order to get a, a good context, we're going to take a look at Isaiah uh, 7 and 8. Um, so we know that Israel, 
um, the kingdom of Israel was actually divided into two kingdoms, right? There was the northern kingdom, which was called Israel, and then there's a southern kingdom, which was called Judah. So, so there's two kingdoms, two kings, um, and, and at this time, both kingdoms were under attack from the Assyrian people. Uh, like it was, it was constantly this threat of attack from the Assyrian armies. They were constantly living in fear that the Assyrian armies were going to attack them and take over the kingdoms. And at this specific time in Isaiah, uh, there was actually an ally forming against a, uh, of a couple people, an ally of a couple, couple nations that were coming together to try to take over uh, the kingdom of Israel. And so things were getting really serious. Things were getting ugly for the, uh, for the northern and the southern kingdoms. And it's in this, this context... Um, that, that this promise of the gift. And I love what Isaiah 2, it kind of describes this, um, this ally that's forming it and what Israel was going through. Isaiah, Isaiah 2, it says, Now the house of David was, was told that Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz, who was the king of Judah, and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken in the wind. I love that picture. Uh, they were scared to death. King Ahaz and his people in Judah were scared to death. I mean, they were shaken in their boots because shaken like the wind shakes the forest trees. So things were serious. They were living in this, in this dark time where, where they were under constant fear of attack from the Assyrian people. And they were so scared that they were shaking like the, like the trees shake in the forest when it's windy. And this is the context in which Isaiah, who was a prophet, sent to speak the word of God. This is the context in which Isaiah was sent to meet with King Ahaz. Remember, King Ahaz was the king of Judah. And he was sent to King Ahaz in this context to deliver the word of God. He was sent to Ahaz to assure Ahaz that, that you know, in the midst of this craziness and this chaos and this darkness where you can't even... Like, you can't live without being in fear and shaking because of your fear. In the midst of this chaos, everything's going to be okay. God has this under control, and it may not get better overnight, and, and you may not see it, and you may not understand this, but Isaiah was sent to King Ahaz to say, dude, it's going to be all right. Like, I don't see the end in sight either, but it's going to be okay. And why is it going to be Okay. God told me it's going to be okay. And it's in this meeting with Ahaz where, where, where Isaiah is telling um, Ahaz that everything is going to be okay. It's in this meeting that we get some of the most beautiful Christmas language that we use today, like in our songs and, and just the way we talk about Christmas. It's here that we get some of this most beautiful Christmas language. Um, so if you, if you turn to, to Isaiah 9... Um, I'm going to be reading Isaiah 9, uh, chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 9, verse 1 through 7, uh, but I'm actually going to throw in a verse from chapter 7. You don't need to flip back there uh, unless your Bible's cool like mine and 7 and 9 are on the same pages. Then you can flip over there. Okay. I guess that wasn't as funny as I thought it was in my head. That's cool. That's cool. I don't care. I'm not here for the laughter, right? Um, <laughs> Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 through 7 is where our main focus is, but I'm going to back up uh, in 7, verse 14. Remember, this is, uh, this is 
Isaiah's meeting with Ahaz, telling him that in the midst of all this craziness, things are going to be okay. And this is how you know it's going to be okay, Isaiah says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. <laughs> we sung about that all morning. Emmanuel, God with us. And I, I tell you what, it was the hardest thing for me to sit over there and not actually sing those songs because I wanted to kind of preserve what little bit of voice I had left. But I love Emmanuel, God with us. Like God not being a God that's so distant up, like up in heaven and, and just leaves us to, to be here on earth. But God with us, like he dwelt among us. Uh, John, John chapter one, I love what it says in the message that he, he became flesh and he moved into the neighborhood. Like he moved in with us, God with us, Emmanuel. And that will be the sign to King Ahaz that everything's going to be okay. And then we jump over to, ver, uh, to chapter nine. And this is, our, this is our main text that we're going to be living in for the next four weeks. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Remember the gloom that they were going through. There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Here it is. For to us... A child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? In the context in which this was, this was spoken to Ahaz, this, this chaos, this war, this constant threat of attack from the enemies. And, and Isaiah says, in the midst of all this craziness, in the midst of all this chaos that has you shaking in your boots like the, like the trees in the forest when the wind blows, there's going to be a sign from God that everything is okay. And that sign is Emmanuel. God with us in the midst of the chaos and the craziness, even though the people lack trust. Because we see it all throughout Isaiah that, that the people weren't really trusting. Even in the, the midst of the lack of the trust, God with us, Emmanuel. And that's awesome. And that's something to get excited about. And the name of this Emmanuel, Isaiah says, the name, he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And so for the next four weeks of Advent, we're going to be unwrapping this perfect gift 
And we're going to do that by taking a look at the four names that were given, uh, that were promised in Isaiah. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So each week we're going to take a look at, at those names. And what does that mean for us, that Jesus is that to us? And then how do we in turn take that gift and give it to other people? So that's what the next four weeks are going to look like. So this week we're going to look at Wonderful Counselor. What does it mean that Jesus is our wonderful counselor? Uh, the, the word wonderful, um, it's kind of, here's the deal. When we read wonderful counselor, it's kind of hard to really grasp the full picture of wonderful because we use wonderful so much, right? But this word wonderful in Isaiah was different than the wonderful that we use in our everyday language. Like, for instance, over the past week, I had several wonderful Thanksgiving dinners. I mean, they were really wonderful, right? They were, they were wonderful. And it was also wonderful that yesterday, the Ohio State University beat that team up north, right? Clint? Yes, sir. That's right. Don't you forget it. That's all right. All, all, the, uh, all the Michigan fans I know are like, please lose so Brady Hope gets out of there. Right? My brother's a Michigan fan. I don't know how that happened. But, but it was wonderful that Ohio State won. Now, it obviously came with a not-so-wonderful price and, and JT Barrett being out for the season. But, but it was still wonderful seeing them beat Michigan. But the word wonderful in Isaiah 9, 6 is so much more than that word that we use to describe our Thanksgiving dinner or a football game that we just watched. The word, the word wonderful, um, and in fact, the, the Hebrew word that was used for wonderful was a word that's pele, pele, P-E-L-E. Um, and rather than trying to describe pele to you, because it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of tough to describe just the 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 breadth of the word Pele or wonderful. Uh, I, I want to kind of show you. Um, and, and from 1956 to 1977, there was a, uh, there was a very famous soccer player uh, from, from Brazil. And his name just happened to be Pele as well. So we're going to, uh, I, I want you to take a look at this and we're going to see what this Pele is all about. <laughs> How's that for wonderful? <laughs> Pele. Pele is something more than the mind can comprehend, right? Wonderful. It's something more than our mind can even think about. It's miraculous. It's mind-blowing. That goal from Pele, <laughs> that was mind-blowing, right? And I love, I love listening to the, uh, uh, the, the uh, play-by-play and commentary in, uh, in Hispanic games yeah, it's, and it's, it's awesome. I, I have no idea what they're saying, but it's like the excitement is like nothing else. And that goal was just, I mean, like watching that goal, like that's not even real. Right? Who's the soccer players in here? Couple? All right. That's not even real, right? Like I, I don't think that that can really happen. Pele, the, the guy, that goal was mind-blowing. And Pele, the word that, uh, that's used as wonderful in Isaiah is like something more than, than our minds can even comprehend. It's, it's miraculous. It's mind-blowing. And that's, that's the meaning that was used to describe wonderful counselor, this perfect gift. And I love that that's how Jesus was described here. This promise of Jesus was described as wonderful, as Pele, as something more than our minds can even comprehend. Something 
That was mind-blowing. And what's, so, what's mind-blowing about this, the promise of the gift? Uh, the sign in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this constant threat of attack of this country, the sign that everything was going to be okay. In our human minds, we would think if, if we're under attack and, uh, and this army's going to attack us, the sign that's going to be that everything's going to be okay should be like a, a fierce warrior, right? Like someone who can stand up for us and fight our battle for us and fight off these people who are trying to attack us. But the sign that everything was going to be okay was a baby, a baby born in a manger. And that's mind-blowing, right, to think about that. But not just a baby, a baby that was born of a virgin. And that's pretty mind-blowing. Like we get, I don't think sometimes we grasp that because you know, we, we hear it every year and we, and we talk about this story and born of a virgin Mary, like, do you get the mind-blowingness of that? Like that's, that's, not, that's, not the way, that's not the way things happen. That's mind-blowing. What about the peace in the midst of the chaos there was no peace. Like there was a complete lack of peace. But this gift that was promised, this Jesus that was promised would bring peace in the midst of chaos. And that's pretty stinking mind-blowing. Jesus, this gift, was wonderful. Jesus was Pele, mind-blowing, more than our minds can comprehend. But Jesus wasn't just described as wonderful in general. In Isaiah 9, it's wonderful counselor. Now, what is a, what's a counselor? Um, a counselor is someone who listens to us in the midst of our problems and our chaos, right? Like we have these, these things going on and, and it's chaotic and there's crazy things happening. And a counselor is someone who listens to us. And I love, um, one of my favorite movies is uh, Antoine Fisher. It's a Denzel Washington movie. And uh, he, Denzel is, a, is, in, is in the Navy. He's actually like a counselor in the Navy. And there's a young man who, who is constantly getting in trouble. So he has to go spend time with, uh, with Denzel's character as a counselor. And I love in the video, in the movie, it just, it shows this young man sitting in Denzel's office and uh, he just sits there. Like, the young man's not going to say anything. But, but the counselor is not going to pry. Like, he's not going to force. He's going to sit there and be willing to listen. And then as the movie goes on, after a while, he finally starts opening up. But I just love that, that, that the counselor is willing to just sit there and listen. Not to force anything. Not to, not to take their own agenda uh, and try to push that on, on the conversation. But sit there and listen. That's what a counselor does. Is there to listen in the midst of our chaos and our problems. And they're there to offer this peace-giving advice or direction. And I love that. It's not just advice, right? And even in a secular counseling setting, it's not just advice that they're giving, but it's peace-giving advice in the midst of the chaos and in the midst of, of the problems of life. And in this time when, when Isaiah... Uh, had this meeting with Ahaz, um, he, the kings would have had a counselor, 
like who they would go to in, in times that where, where the kingdom was, was having problems, they would go to this counselor and the counselor would offer, offer advice and kind of guide them and say, you know, this may be the direction we need to go to. So, so when, when Isaiah said to Ahaz that it would be wonderful counselor, like that wasn't a foreign concept uh, to King Ahaz. Um, he's telling Ahaz that the gift from God was a wonderful counselor, someone to help, help guide you through all of this craziness, all of this chaos, all of this threat of attack, all of this war, all of this violence. And isn't that what Jesus can do for us as our wonderful counselor? Um, Hebrews, in, in Hebrews chapter four, uh, there's this, this awesome picture of Jesus uh, being our counselor. It's in Hebrews four, uh, verse 14 through 16. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's the kind of counselor that Jesus is for us. Have you ever had someone offer you counsel or advice in an area where they have no idea what they're talking about? Like, have you ever had someone give you advice on parents? Have you ever had someone give you advice on parenting from someone who has no kids? <laughs> Don't you just want to punch them in the face? I mean, let's be, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, one of the, when, 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 when I found out that Chelsea was pregnant with Jensen, I mean, all this advice started flooding in. And you know, you, you kind of appreciate it, and you're like, all right, I'll kind of think about taking that to heart. Um, but then you have people like, who aren't even parents giving you advice, and you're like, what are you talking about? I remember my mom telling me, my mom and dad telling me stories about my aunt, uh, who, who never had kids. Um, but when, when we were growing up, apparently she would always like have advice for mom and dad on how to raise us. And they're just like, well, you don't even have kids. How can you give that advice? That's not the counselor that we have in Jesus. We have a counselor, as Hebrews says, Jesus came, he became one of us so that he could empathize and sympathize with our weaknesses. Like he came and he experienced it. He's not just giving blind counsel based on no experience at all, but he came and he dwelt among us as one of us so that he could empathize with our weaknesses. And because he's been there, we are able to approach the throne of grace with confidence so we can get Jesus' counsel in our time of need. And that's a powerful thing. That we have a counselor who's been where we're at, who knows what we're going through. He can empathize with our weaknesses. And because of that, we can approach the throne of grace. Uh, there's a story real quick in the Bible that, that embodies this, this idea of counselor, as Jesus is counselor. And that's the, that's the familiar story of the Samaritan at the well. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Paul described the Samaritans. Uh, and, and remember, they were, they were kind of the half-breeds in the northern kingdom. Uh, there was an intermixing of several different tribes in the northern kingdom. And, and so 
the Samaritans were kind of half-breeds. And, and the Jews, the purebred Jews that were in the southern kingdom, they didn't like them so much because they were half-breeds. It's kind of like how we here in, in the great state of Ohio, near Columbus, don't like that team up north, right? The people. Oh, Clint, I can't help it, man. It's just too, it's too easy. The, the, the Jews, the purebred Jews, they did not like the half-breed Samaritans. And so we have this story of Jesus, this purebred Jew, Jesus, mingling with the half-breeds from Samaria. And we get this awesome picture of Jesus as a counselor. So, so the, woman, um, the woman is at the well, and Jesus asks the woman, for a drink from the well. And, and the woman kind of, she, she's, pretty, she's pretty observant. She gets pretty quickly that this should not be happening. That Jesus, this purebred, should not be talking to me, a Samaritan, but not just a Samaritan, a Samaritan with, with the kind of past that she has. She, she gets it and she, and she kind of calls Jesus out on it and says, I don't think that you should be talking to me. But Jesus kind of goes on and he kind of gives this little teaser uh, about who he is. And he talks about this living water that, uh, that he has to offer through his father. And the woman becomes curious and, and she asks about this offer and says that she wants it. And then Jesus kind of touches on a little sensitive area. And he asks her, about it, uh, asks her about her husband. And she says, well, I'm not married. And Jesus says, you're right, you're not in fact, you've been married to five different men and, and, the, and the guy that you're with right now, he's not your husband either. And the woman obviously starts to get a little bit uncomfortable and she kind of changes the subject and she starts talking about uh, religious things and the differences between the Samaritans and the Jews and the religious practices. And, and Jesus kind of follows her lead because he feels that she's getting a little, a little uncomfortable. And he sets her up for the big reveal that he is the Messiah that they've been waiting for. He speaks this peace-giving truth in the midst of her chaos. Right? The, the chaos that she lives in, we, we know the story of, of the chaos of her life. It's a messy life. But Jesus speaks this peace-giving truth that he is the Messiah. And then she in turn takes it to her town and she spreads the word. And we see in the scripture that multiple people left their town to come looking for that Messiah because Jesus gave that peace giving truth in his counsel with this woman. Amen. It's a familiar story, but when we look closer, we see the gift of this wonderful counselor coming into play. Jesus is first, he's available to this woman. He's not impeded by his own agenda or his own schedule or his priority, but he's completely available to this woman. We also see that Jesus is willing to get messy. Like he shouldn't have been talking to this woman. There's no reason that he should have been mingling with this woman. The reputation of this woman, there's no doubt that Jesus heard stories about this woman because she was probably the talk of the town. There's no reason that Jesus should have been talking to her. But Jesus was willing to get messy. Her life was a mess. Her, her, her life was just was messy and crazy and chaotic. But Jesus was willing to get messy. We also see that, that Jesus was never forceful. But he gently guided the woman toward the truth of who he is. That he's the Messiah. 
gently guiding her toward this peace-giving truth or this peace-giving counsel in the time of chaos. You know what the awesome part of this is? This same wonderful counselor that was promised to Ahaz in the kingdom of Judah and the same wonderful counselor that met with the Samaritan woman at the well, the same wonderful counselor is available to us to do the same thing. In the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our craziness of what's going on in our life, the same wonderful counselor is available to us. And he's always ready to gently guide us out of our chaos, to gently guide us through our chaos and then out of our chaos. But we saw it in the, in the story of the Samaritan. He is never going to force us there because that's not what a counselor does. A counselor doesn't force their own agenda on, onto, the, onto the person they're counseling. He's never going to force us there. We have to be willing to seek out and accept the counsel that he offers us. And you know what's even more awesome about this wonderful gift? This is a gift, not just the wonderful counselor, but this whole gift that we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks. It was never a gift that was meant to be kept for ourselves. Has anybody ever re-gifted a gift and passed it on? Guilty, right? Um, This was a gift that was never meant to be kept for ourselves. It was meant to be passed on. So what does that look like? Uh, It looks like us embodying this gift. It looks like us being Jesus to every single person that we encounter. Pastor Kim talked about, uh, during announcements, uh, the handout that's in the back. And I would seriously encourage you to pick it up. It's a full sheet of paper that says the gift on it. And there's, uh, there's just several ideas on how we can be this gift. And it's not just for this Advent season. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy to do this during the Advent season because that's what you do. Uh, but we're called to live a life of taking this gift to other people. So I would encourage you to take, take that. Look at those ideas. See how you can do that through this Advent, but then carry it on after Advent. For this week specifically, it's the gift of the wonderful counselor. And what does that look like for us to take the gift of wonderful counselor to other people? Guys, there's lots of chaos around us, right? There's, there's lots of messiness in the lives around us. Some of them are obvious and we can see them. But can I tell you that there's a lot of chaos and that is hidden and that if we just look at, at like if we just look at first glance, we're not gonna see it, but there's a lot of chaos around us. In our community, there's chaos there's, there's people who, whose lives are in, are in chaos. What, what if we took on the role of wonderful counselor for those people? What if, we, what if we took this gift, this wonderful counselor that Jesus is for us, and what if we embodied that gift and we took it to those people who are in the midst of chaos and craziness in their lives? And we'd be required to, to model after Jesus uh, in the story of the woman at the well. So we'd have to be available. Like it takes time. We have, to, we have to be willing to give our time. It takes openness. Us being open to, to relationships and, and genuine conversation. And it takes us setting aside our schedule 
and our priorities and our agenda for those genuine conversations. It would require us to get messy. Jesus talked to the woman that he never should have been talking to. And he risked so much in a social setting and social status by doing that. Being Jesus to other people is messy. It just is. People's lives are messy. And so if we're going to seriously be Jesus to other people, it's going to be messy. We've got to be willing to get messy. We also have to take Jesus' lead in not being forceful in our counsel. It's tempting to just force Jesus as the, as the, you know, you just need Jesus and everything's going to be okay. Like that's not the model that Jesus showed in this picture, in this, in this story of the woman at the well. Uh, Jesus was slow and he was methodical in leading her to the truth. Good counsel is never forceful. So when we, when we, when we offer this counsel, it's not being forceful, but it's offering guidance and advice, peace-giving advice. This Advent, what would it look like to truly embrace the best gift that was ever given? To truly receive the gift of the wonderful counselor. In the midst of whatever chaos is happening in our lives, we have Jesus, the wonderful counselor, who, as Hebrews 4 says, is able to empathize with our weaknesses, who was tempted in every way, but did not sin, and through whom we are able to approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What if we took seriously grasping on to that wonderful counselor and and receiving that gift of wonderful counsel? But then what if we took it seriously? What would it look like for us to not just receive this gift of wonderful counsel, but to give this gift of counsel to others, of being available, being willing to get messy, and not being forceful? What would that look like? That's the spirit of Advent. Like that is what we're called to do. That is is what this gift is about. It's offered to us, but never meant to stay with us. Stand with me, if you will. I'm going to take just a second to, because I I know that I kind of gave two spectrums here of receiving the wonderful counselor and taking the wonderful counselor. So I know that there are people in here who just, like, You just need that wonderful counselor in your life in the midst of whatever chaos is going on. And Jesus offers that to you. He's your wonderful counselor. Um, But I also believe that maybe there's somebody who who God's just doing a little tugging and saying, "What, what if you were just available to someone to just offer some counsel, give up a little bit of your time, and be that wonderful counselor to them? We're going to take just a minute, and I just want you to just to listen to the Holy Spirit speaking in your life, and then we're going to close in prayer. God, we are so thankful for this perfect gift that you knew exactly what we needed as mankind. 
God, we thank you for sending a wonderful counselor. And as we saw in in Isaiah, that even in the midst of craziness and darkness, uh, there is a light and the promise of a light, the promise of a wonderful counselor. So God, for those of us who who have this chaos in our lives, um, God, we just, we receive the gift of wonderful counselor. We know that you can offer us counsel because you were here. You were Emmanuel. You were with us. You were one of us. So God, we just claim that right now. And we, we ask that you will guide us. You will lead us. You will give us peace in the midst of our chaos. God, would you teach us, each and every one of us, who call ourselves Christ followers, would you teach us what it looks like to give this gift of counsel to other people? Uh, God, would you, would you soften our hearts so that we're willing to get messy and we're willing to be available to give our time, uh, to put aside our agendas and our schedules and the busyness of this season, to put that aside and give the gift of counsel, to spend time with people, to offer them that peace-giving truth that we know that is the Messiah. God bless this this Advent season that we have here. I I think that you've got some great things in store as we look at the names of this wonderful gift. Uh, Continue to speak to us. Continue to to offer this counsel to our church and guide our church in being the church that you want us to be. We love you. Amen.